Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the fourth episode of the Bod Pod. My name's Janae. I realized that I never spoke my name once during the last three um, interviews or the intros to the interviews that I've done. So I thought, hey, if uh, people outside my friend circle are listening, and I hope that they are, that maybe they would like to know who's behind this whole thing. So um, so my name's Shanae, and this is uh, The Bod Pod. This interview is with um, a lovely lady named Catalina Hernandez. She's a performance artist here in Austin, Texas. And I first met her at a party where she was doing a performance. And she was in a big suit called a treat suit with more than 100 zippers and she was asking, going around the party, asking people to, if they would like a treat out of her treat suit. And then uh, the participant would have to unzip the zipper and plunge their hand or arm into a pocket to retrieve a treat. I was very intrigued by the whole thing. And I have um, ended up writing something about her for this magazine I help edit called Cap Magazine. It's capthemagazine.com. And I wrote about the treat suit, and she, ever since then, I um, I had interviewed her for the treat suit before, and ever since then, um, we've been friends and stayed in touch, so I was really happy that she agreed to be interviewed. This is actually the second interview I did with her for the Bod Pod. The first one, we met in a noisy place. Uh, we met at Easy Tiger downtown, and I thought, hey microphone will be there. We'll be talking into the microphone. It won't be too bad. The background noise turns out was actually a big pain to try to edit. Um, once I went in there and started to do it and she had graciously agreed to, um, be re-interviewed and it was kind of neat because I already knew the, the stuff that interested me from the first interview. So, um, I think it turned out pretty well. We talked about some cool things. We talked about masochism and that boundary between pain and pleasure. We talked about pubic hair. She did an interesting type of birth. Um, She gave birth two different times and um, she did something called hypnobirthing and she didn't use pain meds and she talks about that. Um, We talked about sex and we talked about massages and we talked about desirability and sexuality. Um, I did want to uh, clarify I'm during the when we're talking about massages, I'm pointing to an area that um, during the interview, I'm pointing to an area that I didn't realize held a lot of uh, tension. And I realized that if you're listening, you don't know what area I'm pointing to. Maybe uh, this could benefit you also. But it's um, the area that's right above your chest and right below your neck, um, <clears throat> a sort of upper chest area. Um, that I didn't realize held a lot of tension, um, until I started getting massages and, you know, that started being, uh, paid attention to, but that's what I'm talking about. Um, and we're talking about the, the line that's in the armpit and all that kind of stuff. Um, but that's just if you're wondering what I'm even talking about, but, um, anyway, I do, uh, appreciate you tuning in to the bot pod. Um, Catalina is a lovely lovely human being and she's very interesting to talk to and she's open and she will talk about anything. So I had a lot of fun with her um, interviewing her. This would be the third time total that I've interviewed her um, all around. So um, so I hope you enjoy our conversation. Thanks for tuning in. I really, really do appreciate it. Okay. You can just say something we talked. Something we've talked about is blah blah. Yeah, blah. you don't yeah. have to be like in that other interview when we did this the first time <laughs> when I when we messed it up. Um, well, uh, first off, how's your body doing today? <laughs> That's such a good question. Um, wouldn't it be great if we just introduced ourselves to people that way? <laughs> how's your body doing today? <laughs> be like. I'm just trying to buy. I would love that. <laughs> I'm just trying to buy Coke. Um, <laughs> um, let's see. I actually, my body is very well exercised today. I had a really good exercise session today, so I'm feeling kind of hot shit, to be really honest. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, it was a new workout, and I did a lot of things that my body has never done before. And so the first round, I was not good at them. The second round, I was. And that makes me very proud of myself. Mm-hmm. So it's always nice to work out different muscles that you haven't worked out or different. Yeah. You know. Well, for me, just working out. I, I didn't start out as an exerciser, so mm-hmm. bodies... Uh, I spent a long time in my life really wishing that I didn't have a body, and if I could just kind of become a floating brain, I would have been a happy camper. Then about, I don't know, I guess I was in my 30s before I decided I could have a body and use it and enjoy it, and started salsa dancing and exercising. And What do you, th- what do you think that you, why didn't you want a body? Well, it wasn't good at things. It was, uh, I was, I was the kid in my you know, high elementary school, we'll start with elementary school, where, you know, the coach would actually start giggling as I walked out to the field, mm-hmm. right? And she'd put the football in front of me, and I would invariably kick it behind my head, um, like over my head and behind me, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is a total possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it's that strange, considering the shape of the ball, but mm-hmm. it doesn't look so good. Very Charlie Brown. You know, or we'd be playing tennis, and I would actually hit it so hard, it would go through, like, a neighbor's window, and she'd be like, okay, everybody inside, no more no more tennis, you know. So, um, and I had the same coach for, like, four years of my life, too. She followed me to junior high, and she would laugh out loud, out loud at me every time I set foot on so, a basketball court or a whatever. So, um, yeah, kind of sets. And I was round and roly-poly, and I wasn't skinny like all the other girls. And, you know, now when I look back, I was plenty fine, really. Mm-hmm. Was not heavy, particularly yeah. heavy, mm-hmm. but just was rounded everywhere all the time. Mm-hmm. And so... So it's really, it's, it seems like it has a lot to do with, like... Uh, kind of sportsy movement stuff is why you didn't but then yeah I didn't really like that and I don't know I liked sex I thought sex sounded great Mm -hmm. so but that sort of I think I even intellectualized that because I wasn't having any Mm -hmm. um so that could be all mental too yeah so I figured well what do I really need this stuff for all this vascular you know muscly, meaty stuff. What's this all for? Mm-hmm. Um, which is funny, because I think I've done this complete 180, and I was with a group of women, and someone said to me, you know, I just don't think of this stuff as me. You know, this is this is not what I am. I am spirit, pure spirit, and this is just a cloak on the outside. And, you know, this was just like a couple thing. weeks ago. Yeah. And I internally was just like, Oh no, why would you want to be just that? Like, you get to be meat and juicy and juicy. I kept talking about juicy <laughs> bodies, right? We get all this juicy stuff and we get to feel things and taste things and, you know, experience movement and mm-hmm. uh, pick up heavy things and, you know, move quickly that direction. And I think that's, I think that's fun and exciting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's a common thing that people. Like to, I mean, there's the whole mind body thing that people think this is a split and that you can, I don't know, that this isn't what we are, you know. But it's like, mm-hmm. but no, it's part of it. <laughs> like, it's not everything. I get what you're saying, but it's not. Yeah, we had a this poor woman and I had this extended conversation because I'm like, I'm trying to decide if we're saying the same thing, <laughs> yeah. but we're not but we're just disagreeing, or if we're really saying very fundamentally different mm-hmm. things. And I never actually came Figured up with a, with a conclusion on that mm-hmm. because what I said that I would be happy to do is to divorce myself from the judged body, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The body that everybody else is worried about, the pimple on it or the, you know, cellulite or the whatever. I'd be just thrilled to dump all that right. stuff. Like, yeah, that's the body we don't want to have any associations with. <laughs> right, I don't, all the good stuff. Yeah. But it comes with it, I guess, unfortunately. Well, or we should just embrace all that stuff. You yeah. know, oh, I've got a dry patch of skin right yeah, over my left knee. That's you know, normal, that's... and that's not abnormal or an imperfection yeah. or anything like that. It's the way it's coded, I think, culturally and uh, yeah. the way that we like internalize all of that. Mm-hmm. Want it to be smooth and mm-hmm. blemish-free and not wrinkly. But, um, 
you said you had an experience when you were traveling when you were in the yeah, 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 I was talking to some people about because you you've asked me mm-hmm. before um because I like I like pain somehow. Mm-hmm. I really do mm-hmm. um enjoy pain. Right. And you asked me if I was a masochist and I said that I couldn't claim that identity. I think that's something that people really have to embrace mm-hmm. and, you know, explore and whatever. So I just don't feel like I don't I get my pin, you know, that says masochist yeah. on the side. <laughs> Although um we can talk later about um giving birth since I gave birth mm-hmm. twice without pain meds. So yeah, yeah, I've had sure. people say if you've I done that, that yeah. um <laughs> people have said if you've done that, you're kind of going to have to admit that you can that you're into it a little bit. And um so we'll have that we can talk about that later. But um uh, so, but I met some people who are, and and it was really interesting to talk like, about like truly identify truly as identify as masochists. They really enjoy that in their lives in different ways. Some of it is sexual, but some of it is just you know they find ways to experience mm-hmm. um, the limits of their tolerance. And I just got really excited about that <laughs> that concept. I thought it was really great. so. Who knows? Maybe I'll maybe I'll try that. But um, this idea of or maybe I'll embrace that identity a little more because I feel like it doesn't that that it's a little bit um, less of a specific statement about a person. Mm-hmm. But um, this idea that intensity of sensation is something that one might crave. Not everybody probably craves it, but that it might be something that people want to experience. The same way people like horror movies, right? I hate horror movies. Other people adore them yeah. because they get to fully experience that rush of, you know, the bad guy coming in and chopping them to bits mm-hmm. with a axe. It's more right? emotional, psychological than it is <laughs> physical, of course. Right. And see, that for me is like incredibly mm-hmm. painful, mm-hmm. that attack to the spirit yeah. of that possibly happening. Now, you know, like, I don't know, holding a piece of ice the way we practiced mm-hmm. with hypnobirthing was you held a piece of ice in your hands. And instead of avoiding the sensation, right? Some people think what you're supposed to do is you go to your happy place and you just ignore that it's happening and mm-hmm. you kind of turn it off. Yeah, like and disassociate. You from disassociate it. from the pain, you go to another place and mm-hmm. you let it happen to the body, right? So your spirit really does that thing where yeah. it divorces into another place. And what I was trying to do was to go into the pain. Mm-hmm. You go you just slam into it and you look at it and you touch it and you feel it and you're just like, oh, this is kind of a red pain and it's, you know, throbbing. That's interesting that it's throbbing. Why is it throbbing? Is it throbbing quickly? Is it throbbing slowly? You know, you get that sensation of, and that's what lets you handle it, right? Being able to feel that sensation. Mm And accept it it that Mm -hmm. this, at this point in my life, my hand feels like this. It's not pleasant, but it's this big. I'm not dying yet. So I think I can hack this, Mm -hmm. right? And so uh, just moving over to the to the the experience of giving Mm -hmm. birth then without without any pain Mm -hmm. meds. Um, So I had I mean I trained for four months to learn how to do that process and how to relate yeah. to pain. And I practiced with um, getting waxes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cha-cha. And, uh... <laughs> still haven't done Great that. word. Oh, really? Oh. No, no, no. Just because no. I don't care about that, but, like, <laughs> it's not something I'm going to pay for to, like, do, and I don't care about um, having that. I think really your good. generation, it's really interesting, because between my... We've had a generation between you and mm-hmm, me, mm-hmm. and... Like, I was the set where, like, I tried to go in for a bikini wax, mm-hmm. and um, I asked if I could... I was doing a piece, an art piece, where I was naked, and I had to make a cast yeah, um, yeah. in that region. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and um, I asked to get everything taken off. And this woman went ballistic on me. She was just like, you're going to have to go into New York for that kinky stuff. We don't do that <laughs> stuff here. That's disgusting. Oh, my God. You know, and I'd never done anything mm-hmm. to that whole region of my body before. So, like, the whole thing was making me completely embarrassed in the first place. So she just pretty much 
So she took off everything she could take off, and then I took everything else off. We've used, like, a box thing. I've just yeah. never done... But that was way before, but, yeah, I've never done it. But it's really hard <laughs> to do on your own. Yeah, so I've tried to, to do it on my own, like, in so those little hard. last minutes, and you're, like, trying to hold... A, yeah, it takes some um, major gymnastics, <laughs> sort of, just, just the right leg position. And the breathing to make yeah. sure you do it at the... Yeah. And no hesitation, like, yeah. you just have to... Like but a band-aid. sort of between you and me, there was that whole set of people who, like, the Brazilian was the stand. I mean, everybody well, took everything from my generation, off. Yeah, I think, really. No, I think that there are definitely people in my generation who are still into that. But I think it is cycling back around culturally. So maybe the what the yeah. generation below me, or just according to Vogue, the new thing is is. Full bush. That's what I've been reading. Good, thank God. Isn't that awesome? Thank God we got back to it. <laughs> We're going to be doing skirted bathing suits not, again, I guess. It is just so silly to me. And also, like, my skin's very sensitive, so I can't, like, just all around. So that area, <laughs> just, just shaving it, it just... No, it shaving is the worst. It out a little bit. Shaving is terrible. Yeah, it's just so yeah. sensitive that I'm like, I'm not yeah. going to... Well, I'm not doing this for me, really. Like, you know? <laughs> this is for? It's, yeah, so yeah. It's, it's... Yeah, I've kind of decided that oh it's fine to have hair there <laughs> it's okay it's totally we normal <laughs> well and you go back to like 50s peanut people and they just looked they looked amazing they looked great there were things like merkins which were you know fake <laughs> things that you could put on if it didn't look full enough because you wanted to be as fluffy as possible oh, man. yeah i hope it's that doesn't so come fluffy. back around because it's not it's not as fluffy as maybe that standard <laughs> Going back to the Betty Page fluff. <laughs> yeah. That's a, I'm still fluff. into it, though. There you go. <laughs> um, okay, so I was saying yes. about um, giving birth. We weren't really talking about <laughs> pubic hair, but now we are. Um, <laughs> no, um, giving birth. So anyway, so I go into the hospital. I've been all trained, and my labor stops, and they have to give me Pitocin, which is the medication that causes the thing that happens with with Pitocin is you don't go down to valleys, right? You really stay pretty high. That's just for contractions? Um, to make the contractions happen. It's not a happen. pain thing. It's a contraction thing? No, it doesn't kill pain. Okay. It, in fact, makes the pain way worse because it intensifies your contractions. And instead of doing that natural thing where it goes all the way to the bottom and then it goes all the way to the top and then it goes all the way to the bottom, Pitocin tends to keep you sort of halfway there anyway. So... They gave me the meds. They plugged me in. Um, you know, not pain meds, but the, the Pitocin. And they plugged me in so they could watch my contractions. And they're making little arcs. And, and I'm kind of just breathing. And I have my doula there. And she's sort of, like, rubbing my hand gently and talking in my ear, reminding my prompts. Like, you know, go into it. Here's another contraction that's happening. Let's see how we can get ahead of it. Like, um, you know, kind of whatever. And I'm like, okay. Just sort of... You know, kneeling. I would go. I got down on the bed, and I had my head on the bed, and my hands down, and I was just relaxing. I mean, it looked like I was relaxing. Mentally, it felt like I was pushing this giant rock up a hill. Mm-hmm. And at one point, they had to unplug me and plug me back in. So the nurse comes in, and she's like, "I'm sorry, I'm just not seeing any contractions that are big enough to push out a baby. So we're going to have to give you more pitocin." And I did the like exorcist head turnaround thing and my head went all the way around and I looked at her and I was like you better look again because I'm about to have a baby bitch (laughs) so (laughs) no and um she's like well I hmm and Jay looked really carefully at it and he realized that when they plugged me back in it had been at the top of a full contraction which meant that the contractions that I was having were actually off Mm. the chart Mm -hmm. So it was, and she, she realized it too, as she looked at it and timing and, and she went, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God. And we hear her running down the hall, call the doctor, tell him no more Pitocin, tell him now. Or her, it was her. And, uh, so it was just, it was, it was really funny because they just couldn't believe, because I looked so calm Mm -hmm. that, that those things were happening. And it was very clear that that was going to, going to happen. Yeah. And, you know. And then I gave birth, and that yeah. was lovely. And my daughter was turned the wrong way around, so um, that that was I had a lot of back labor because she her head was, you know, backwards and mm-hmm. slamming into my spine, which was so fun, so fun. 
But yeah, afterwards, afterwards, the nurses kept popping their heads around the corner. You know, I'm sitting in there cross-legged on the bed. They're just like, that's you, right? You were the one. Hi. Hi. (laughs) So you do feel a little, you do feel pretty cool. So what, um, what made you decide to birth that way? Like why did you Rather than, I, you know, I was larger, I was heavier than I am now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm, I was heavier than I am now. And I'm super controlling. I'm super obnoxiously research-based and Mm -hmm. controlling. And so I could control every other factor, right? I could control the doctor. I could control my doula. I could Mm -hmm. control what I knew. But I couldn't control who my my anesthesiologist was, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's just luck of the draw at the hospital. Mm -hmm. And when you're heavier anesthesia affects you Mm. with more variation so I knew that I really had to trust whoever that was and so I think deep down I just wasn't willing to trust anybody enough so really my body like my body and the body of my child like and their reaction I wanted to make sure that she was perky I sort of felt like it can kind of dull the kids response I mean obviously first day of life most people aren't really that worried about it but I thought well you know, sort of your first chance to experience the world. I wouldn't want to experience it groggy. I would want to be mm-hmm. perky and awake. So um, that seems sort of important. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I don't. I don't have like. Oh no! I don't want that stuff polluting my body. I don't right. know. I grew up in a doctor's household, so mm-hmm. we don't. I mean, you knew all your options. And yeah, yeah. I like all my options, and mm-hmm. and I I do think there's that small amount of masochism, like that. I really felt like going through an ordeal, recognizing that it's something to go through. But I didn't experience it as pain. I really didn't. The only time I ever experienced it as pain was when she would say, can you describe your pain to me right now? And I'd go, am I feeling, and I'd go, am I feeling pain? And I was like, oh my God, what are you talking about? Stop talking to me. This is horrible. Go away. And she's like, have there ever any point pleasurable though? Like, did you ever have any? Whether you move over into... Into total pleasure? Or was it, like, the at least um, satisfying that it, like, whenever you, like, pushed him and her out, out. at least, like... Separately, different day, different, yeah, different yeah. years. Not, not, um, not the same time. Yeah, the same time. <laughs> um, uh, I guess... No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it really wasn't. I mean, yes, satisfaction afterwards. You feel really proud that mm-hmm. you have a body that is able to do that, mm-hmm. period. I think everyone feels that way. Like, holy kazoli. Mm-hmm. And, um, I know my spouse felt that way very strongly. Just mm-hmm. like, I can't believe what you just <laughs> did with your body, you know. Um, and I know that some men are kind of like freaked out after that. But but my mind was very intrigued by that. I thought that was great. That there was like, a new thing. More. I already liked I already liked that thing you have and look at this new thing I can do. More, more respect. Yeah, so <laughs> you get a, you get a lot of love for that. Um so yeah, I know, but not actual like just yeah. joy and just the curious. joy and the bringing of the child had experiences like orgasmic experiences. I've heard about that. Wouldn't that be awesome? That. I've heard that that's possible. It never went that way for me. And I'm <laughs> not giving birth again. But, yeah. <laughs> I'm not giving birth again to find to out. Yeah. No, no. No, no. We're, no. That door's closed. I guess with Thanks. the pain thing, do you remember, do you remember a time when um, you kind of first experienced something that was maybe supposed to be painful as pleasurable or kind of a memorable experience of kind of whenever you started um, kind of leading that way not yeah no I um well massage has always been when Mm -hmm. I was uh when I was 19 or 18 in high school going to college I stayed awake for five days Mm -hmm. working on a school project I had a huge one-person show I went to an arts high school Mm -hmm. and I literally didn't sleep for five days because the time when I would have been sleeping and not actually in school or driving myself back and forth, now that I think about it, it was kind of terrifying. Um, uh, I was painting this huge canvas on the ground, and so I would have woken up covered in paint if I'd ever fallen asleep. So I just stayed awake for five days. And at the end of five days, I fell asleep for 24 hours. And then when I woke up from that, my head was stuck in one position. 
Yeah, I've always been a little bit yeah. extreme sport girl. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, my head was just stuck. And um, I couldn't, you know, it was like sort of it was tilted over to the side. And, you know, I looked, I looked very special. People were really nice to me for a while. I got free stuff. And um, it was very, you know, they just knew something horrible was going on with me. Poor kid. But it was really just stress from applying to college and this big show. So that required one spot. <laughs> not a good idea. Okay. Yeah. So, so then because of that, I had to spend a whole month getting really intense massages every day. And uh, what I tell myself, or at least what I have told myself this whole time, is that I just like the results. You know, sort of like the giving birth. Like, Mm -hmm. was it fun in the moment? It really was not. Were the massages fun in the moment? I would say at that point, I did not think they were. But I recognized that if it hurt when she worked on me, if she was really talented... Mm -hmm. I felt better, mm-hmm. and I felt really better mm-hmm. very quickly. And so I think i that's when I started to get trained that it's okay for something to hurt if the gain is going to be whatever it is. Yeah. And somewhere along the way, though, with massage, I have totally turned the corner, where actually I just probably really like, like the pain. You know, really like that grind right into mm-hmm. that spot and yeah it, it you know, feels very good yeah. it, feels, it feels amazing it feels great and the intensity of that yeah. as you build you know more and more of it it just uh it's such a release it's an emotional release as well as a physical mm-hmm. release mm-hmm. right yeah and it's a near-death experience because when it hurts that much you come back out and the endorphin <laughs> rush is ridiculous right? yeah yeah it's crazy it's crazy coming out of massage how like you're just like you're like all of the blood has moved, and you're just like, <laughs> you're just kind of like you're spent. Like you didn't do anything but lay there, but your body has done a lot of yeah. But I think internally, yeah, and internally, and releasing, and and you've gotten out that energy that's that's knotting things up. So yeah, because you seem a lot like me. You seem like somebody who also holds that. Do you hold your tension physically? Oh, I have it that. Like, I right now, it's... Especially because I sit at a desk all day, mm-hmm. and I, I hold it, like, largely mm-hmm. shoulders. And you're, cur- you're curvy. Here. We are equally curvy. So. Yeah. So it just kind of... But, so, yeah, the shoulders are really bad, and my brother is actually a massage therapist, and he... Um, this, this area he introduced me to, where he's like, yeah, if you have, like, a bigger chest than, like, right, <laughs> right below your right neck. Right under your clavicles. Right, yeah, like, and, right here. Yeah. Um, just like rubbing this because, of course, there's like a lot of t- like you don't think about muscles being here. Or actually, like we're busy holding them up. Yeah, and it, yeah. so he did that, which was very that felt really good, like working that yeah. out. But then also, yeah. it like there's a line here uh-huh. that ends up going under your armpit. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really hard work, and yeah. that's that. And then my latissimus mm. dorsi evidently mm. is. A wonderland for all, mm. all massage therapists <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, I'm going to talk to also yeah. him or coworker or something at some point. But. Yeah, I went to a new person uh, in New York over this last trip. Yeah? And, and I was like, no, I'm really serious. Just go crazy. Deep <sighs> tissue. He's like, really? And I was like, how hard do you think you need to do it to, to really get some results? And he was like, I mean, I can really do this and I was like (laughs) okay go crazy I'm not joking I'll tell you when it's too hard oh he was so happy afterwards he just stood there grinning at me like seriously like as if we had just had sex or something (laughs) like he was just so happy to finally get a chance to just grind into whatever Mm -hmm. it was and you know this is just making me want a massage (laughs) I have the person too yeah I need to ask my brother yeah oh that's right that's right Just gonna call on him now. Yeah, my massage therapist here in town says that he's gonna record our sounds because I'm very noisy during massage. (laughs) Oh, that's great! I would love to like put that at the beginning. That would be awesome. That would be great. I'll ask him. I'll ask him. I'll ask him. He would do that. I'm going tomorrow. Yeah, I'm going tomorrow. And there's something record. Yeah, if if he does record record you, that would be amazing to have. (laughs) I hope so. Uh, I will ask. (laughs) <laughs> Congratulations, America! <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he says he's gonna he's gonna sell it as soundtrack for European porn. 
Because he figures, you know, just sounds just always similar. making very yeah. similar noises. <laughs> That's fun. Um, I guess, uh, so sex then. We so can, sex, these are, yeah. These are good topics. Yeah. Um, well, we, I've sort of talked about this before with you, but um, in terms of the pain and the sex stuff, mm-hmm. um, how how do you conceptualize pain with regard to sex, or do you at all? Well, I don't think I've explored it the way mm-hmm. other people have explored it. I mean, I think everybody gets into intriguing positions um, at various points, or if you're doing it right, I think at some point you're you've got to be... At the same yeah. time. <laughs> now, that is something I would dearly like to try I have to say but uh so far not not really part Seems of my like a practice very talented person would not be a great person that person would have a partner until they died right they would have always have a line out the door like hello I'm here for you please uh, applications to uh <laughs> yeah. the only person in the world who can accomplish this uh no I'm sure there are lots of people who do but um no, but I don't think um, I really explored pain the way one could. So, and the people that I was talking to definitely have, and they were they were oh yeah, you know, really around. interesting, interesting people. Um, you know, just I really do believe that. I think that that it's a very it's very easy to imagine mm-hmm. that rapid transference. I mean, if I ever really let that mental mental game go mm-hmm. during massage, that would be. That'd really be a noisy session. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure some people yeah. get super yeah. aroused and yeah. stuff, right? <laughs> but sex is sex is really such a great thing. I mean, I just think it's... I wish everyone was having more of it. I think we'd all be nicer to each other. I'm not really recommending we all become bonobos and, like, greet each other by masturbating each other. But I do think that, you know, if we could all just get over it and let it happen... Yeah more and it's weird to think that we are still sort of stuck like we're more progressive than we have been Mm -hmm. um culturally but there's still definite like you know just in terms of sexualizing women's nipples when they're breastfeeding or you Mm -hmm. know stuff like that that's Mm -hmm. like people think is uncomfortable whenever it's a natural thing um it's just so weird to me that um we're still i don't know it's 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 this interesting thing because I, I just, <laughs> I, like I believe that people. I just don't like wearing clothes, so I'm also like, <laughs> and if I do, that's why they have to be a certain way. But um, so it's it just does seem it's like such a natural thing, and it's like so less uncomfortable. I don't have all these things going on, mm-hmm. holding mm-hmm. things together mm-hmm. or in. Um, but that that's still so, like, I don't know. Is it like in, a, in America, you don't uncover the body, okay. except in a sexual context. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's no, we don't have, I mean, in other countries, you might be naked for religious purposes, right? You might pray with very little on, mm-hmm. because that's the way you show your devotion, right? And those bodies, I don't think, get sexualized if you're McGangies or something, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I think, um... We just don't have another context for being bare. I mean, maybe little babies are allowed to be bare, but that's but because they're supposed bare, to be totally just... non-sexual, right? right? So it's okay for them to not have any clothes. And the minute they have any any inkling of, you know, I have a penis and you have a vagina or whatever the thing is, then it's this, then they need to be clothed, mm-hmm. right? They need to just, they're never naked. When I went to church... Uh, in high school, we had an exchange student from Denmark who brought pictures of his family, and he showed them, you know, in their house, and then they were out at their beach house, and they had all their friends, and they're out on the beach, and all of his sister's friends and his sister were completely topless in Denmark, because that's just what one does, and they're all sort of pretty 15-year-old blonde beautiful blue-eyed girls and um you know my church was very interested in seeing her all the boys from my youth group thought it was very important to come see these like you know girls and he's completely unaware of why that would be distressing Mm -hmm. or intriguing and 
all of these boys know they have gotten away mm-hmm. with this ridiculous. So when she came to visit, that was quite the mm. <laughs> yeah, Wee! very exciting yeah. moment, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, it's very interesting. It's sort of, and it's a little bit like the pain thing. Like we, it's very suspect if somebody is turned on by something other than the naked opposite sex body. Yeah. Right. That's what you're supposed to want, and that's the only thing that's supposed to turn you on. Yeah. And so if you're turned on by, say, somebody giving you a speeding ticket, like, that's a problem, <laughs> you're really messed up, you know. Yeah. Um, so or sort of devi- seen as a deviation from some sort of made-up yeah. normal. Is that sort of a... I mean, we must have had that idea before Freud, right? That we were supposed to move toward this genital... You know, that whole... Th- I don't know if you've yeah. spent a lot of... You've probably spent a lot of time come, since you're a cultural crit... But um, this idea of, like, somebody being polymorphously perverse. Do you remember that? Oh. Like, when you're a baby, you're sort of, like, you get sensation all over your body, and that's pleasurable and nice, and then you kind of go through an oral fixation and an anal fixation yeah, or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, like, poop kind of controlling or whatever. You get stuck in yeah. all those things. And then, which is all basically bullshit, which we've all kind of moved into now, right? That That Freud kind of didn't really... Mm-hmm. Freud had issues with his mother, therefore we all had issues with our mother. Right? <laughs> so, yes, um, <laughs> basically. So, uh, which doesn't mean we can't learn things from Freudianism. It just means that we need to like not everything longer than it is wide is not always a phallus. <laughs> I know. Yeah, and a lot of times it is, yeah. but uh, not all the time. Not it's all true. the time. It's okay. It can <laughs> it can flip. So. <laughs> everything with a fold in it <laughs> clearly a pussy so um yeah i think it's very interesting so since we're talking about that um this kind of is sort of related um how you already said that you weren't comfortable um having a body until maybe your 30s mm-hmm. like her mm-hmm. um how was your view of your body in terms of in terms of desirability or in terms mm-hmm. of um how did that evolve over time? Or also, how does that, um, hmm. in terms of uh, you using your body for performances, was that ever something um, that you either hmm. thought about? Or uh, was there any ever relationship between that in some way? Yeah. Um, so we talked about the judged body. There's this idea of the desirable body mm-hmm. that is um, interesting. I mean, I like probably half of girls was sexually molested at a pretty young age. And um, while I don't condone what he did at all, um, one thing that actually was semi-positive about the experience of that was that um, he, if one can say there's a semi-positive thing that comes out of that, um, one thing that came out of that was that he did not... um, he didn't connect it to violence or um, danger in me, and he did connect it to um, me being attractive as a kid. So, let me see. I'm sort of fighting my way through this to say it in a way that doesn't sound like I'm saying that he did a good thing for me, because he really did. (laughs) He really did. He did sort of mess up my brain in lots of other ways. Um... But, um... How old were you? I was six. Okay. So I was pretty young. And seven, But that is a really young age to consider yourself attractive, but it's definitely something that you're thinking about that young. It's definitely something that's starting to become, among your peers, you're starting to sort of differentiate. Yeah, you're starting to kind of... And I was already, like, a big movie girl, so I kind of really yeah six or seven probably and I was really interested in you know being this idea of being a movie goddess which has stayed for a long time (laughs) since I just did a piece about that uh and lord knows perhaps now this piece is starting to make sense for me um we're having a revelation right now Hmm, that is really interesting but um that that being a way that people were that being something that I had to offer to someone, right? Which is both a gift and a curse, mm-hmm. right? Because then you do... And I had a father who um, 
definitely, I mean, it's just textbook that he wasn't very available. He was always working. Um, when I saw him, I was going to parties and I was dressed up and I was pretty mm-hmm. and, you know, wearing a flattering dress, you know, and, um, there were a few years where sometimes that was hard to find, you know, <laughs> and, um, he would always give me tons of attention on those moments when I was pretty. And so that, those two things I think combined to create this, this pleasing, you know, my job as a pleaser was really right. set in those moments and being physically attractive and being, um, kind of available to be looked at, available to be ogled. Then, um, as a 15 year old in the Mexican American tradition, you have a quinceañera, um, or a quince años and you are a quinceañera mm-hmm. and you go to these dances and basically you you get handed around to like every man who wants to dance yeah. with you right which is kind of a sweet thing you it's become part of the that. community I never had one but um yeah I didn't realize it was like it doesn't I mean it doesn't necessarily have to be that but that was yeah. kind of the way it played out in our community because I was part of this club and everybody came and mostly everybody and was your just sweet my dad is my mother is not oh. So there's some, there are some body things that go mm-hmm. with those two cultures. Because my mother is like Swedish, Pennsylvania, Dutch, Sicilian. Yeah. Which is my mom's much... like blonde hair, blue eyed. Yeah. And my mom, my mom is actually the only white woman my dad ever had kids with, or huh. and it was his longest relationship. Huh. Everyone else he's been with, Mexican woman. Dark, dark, it's dark. Really interesting. Do too. you have half sibs who are? <laughs> um, my sister, she's also half. I have a brother uh-huh. who's my mom's son uh-huh. with uh-huh. a different dad. Uh-huh. But, um, but yeah, just the two. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. So it's kind of similar. It's like, yeah. Yeah. My mom has, well, often has blonde hair now. She didn't, she <laughs> didn't always, but she did young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, same with my mom. So, and also comes from a very, like, prude, mm-hmm. non-body you know, my grand, my father's side is Mexican, and I don't think they would be hurt to be called prude, right? Mm-hmm. You don't talk about feelings. You don't talk about your body. You certainly never tell anybody when you're sick. Like, mm-hmm. that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a very dry kind of thing. And my father's family is very like, so, you have a boil. Where's your boil? You know, like, <laughs> they want to know where the thing is. I'm like, oh, well, did you talk to a doctor about it? Well, do you think it's an infection? Or do you think maybe you have, a, you know, some sort of a bug in there that's, you know, they're, they're totally fine with all the juicy body stuff, right? Juicy body is great with them. So, so, but thinking about this, um, Okay, but you're talking band. about the quinceañera. Well, the quinceañera, okay. right? <laughs> then everybody's looking at you. It really matters. Your dresses are made to shape to your form, you know, and exaggerate your little baby boobies and your little, you know, beginning of a waist. And you're not really quite a woman yet, but mm-hmm. everything is designed to, to emphasize as womanly as you're becoming. Yeah, yeah. And there were... Look at these childbearing hips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if I don't have them, I'm going to build them with about 18 layers of... Um, you know, see yeah, through fabric, right? right. Um, so, but there were there were definitely men who like, oh, good, they're they're fifteen, sixteen, they're there to be handled. You know, I can go dance with them out on the dance floor, and my hand is going to drift just a little bit and go on the shoulder. And so there were that moment of sort of you're very excited about reaching this milestone of being a woman mm-hmm. at one level, but then you also realize what comes with being a woman is you are available, kind of as a as an object mm-hmm. and I remember being super super conscious of that during that that chunk of time mm-hmm. so so there's all that um and meanwhile I think I told you what I was I started reading Anais Nin when I was yeah. 10 mm-hmm. like so I had so if I kind of separated those two things right this idea of sexuality seemed very private to me and something that one would share with the right Mm-hmm. person, right? And people, if you're reading Anais Nin, there are many people that you're going to be sharing this with <laughs> in all kinds of iterations mm-hmm. and combinations. So that sort of formed some of my ideas of what sexuality could possibly look like. Um, and, you know, I liked that it was all about experience and self-fulfillment and, I mean, she also has some darker themes, but right. that that was what I took away from it, which was great. Um, meanwhile, there's that desired body 
that I wasn't comfortable with, mm -hmm. that I felt like I was being forced into mm -hmm. sharing in a way. You know, I loved the attention, but I didn't know. I really had to keep very tight tabs on who was allowed actual access to it, which was very yeah. much at odds with what I really wanted out of actual sexuality, mm -hmm. right? So it's that control part of you trying to <laughs> comes out in that way, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't think I need to be available for everybody on the yeah. planet here, but somehow as a 15, 16-year-old girl, when you start to become that, you're this pristine little package, and everybody suddenly wants that, and it's very strange when you've been you know, the chunky 12-year-old and nobody mm -hmm. thought twice about. So it's... Yeah. It I think it's also weird. It's, I think having that tradition totally will underscore that transformation because I didn't have around that age any sort of... Um, I mean, there was some sort of, like, coming of age that, you know, I kind mm -hmm. of... But I think something like that really, like, exacerbates that whole that whole transformation, like, mm -hmm. makes it more clear. Mm -hmm. Whereas I'm just mm -hmm. kind of, like, little things here and there that, mm -hmm. like, kind of connect. It's like, okay, that's me becoming, like, a sexual being, but also mm -hmm. ha having, you know, mm -hmm. becoming at odds with it also and not, like, I don't know. I don't know, but it <laughs> seems cool. I don't know. Do I want to do Yeah, which is like, actually exactly where one should be mm -hmm. at that point. You should, I think you should be allowed to be a little bit mm -hmm. figuring it out and, and that's why it's so difficult, mm -hmm. I think, these these inequalities of where you are with other teenagers, mm -hmm. too. And then older people who are quite happy to swoop in and, you know, there's certainly still a culture where a guy who's hitting on a 16 or 17-year-old who's in his 30s, like, that's not anywhere as creepy as a woman in her 30s hitting on, like, a 16 or 17-year-old guy. Like, that would be considered, like... Ooh, I know, which is why there's like a whole weird um, with teachers, um, with men teachers versus female teachers yeah. seducing their students or having relationships yeah. with their students. It's totally coded differently. Yeah. And it's really weird. <laughs> but didn't you? We had, I mean, we had definitely a culture of girls who we liked smart men. And so the smart male teachers were definitely desirable yeah. people. Yeah. Right? For sure. So they were definitely the love objects, and that's who you, more than the boys that we were surrounded with who were, yeah. were who mostly were stupid. pretty callow and dumb and didn't really know what to do, and, you know, it doesn't really... <laughs> sorry, guys. True. <laughs> you knew it, too. Yeah, we're yeah. really sorry. All well, of you at that age, if they, pretty stupid. You know, at least if you were freshmen, seniors looked okay, but when you became a senior, you're like, no, they're still silly. They're not... Guys are kind of useless until they're about 30 anyway, so maybe yeah, 25. Yeah, I feel, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm excited to uh, grow older with them. Yeah, yeah. So, the, so sorry, you're saying, I'm sorry, um, no. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine, Great. I just, I just thought of this, um, you were saying that you uh, weren't, didn't want a body until you were in your 30s, but this, but the sexual uh, but aspect that's interesting. of it sort of is different. different. It's different it's than the... Than the used body. You're you're right. And that's interesting that I don't think of them as... I don't think of that as, like... Mm -hmm. I don't think of them in the same zone. Mm -hmm. Because I was definitely into my body as a source of pleasure. And I... You know, the reality is, in college, I, I met the man who's now my husband. And we... I didn't have any money. <laughs> I was... I was barely... We were barely paying for school. And uh, so I couldn't do... A lot of things outside of school. There were other mm -hmm. people like, we're going skiing, or, you know, we're going to go to the movies, mm -hmm. or we're whatever. And I was always like, eh, you don't have any money. So the way we entertained ourselves was pretty much figuring it all out. Um, I was actually unusual with my circle of friends because I really, I think people thought of me as I mean, the slut, as the trampy kind of girl, because I knew so much about sex and I was comfortable talking about sex sex, not my body, but sex, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, um, and, uh, because I kissed a lot of people, I kissed a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people, <laughs> and, uh, perhaps a little more than that, but, um, I really, I did not have sex until I was already away at college, and, um, I just didn't, I didn't want to, mm -hmm. so, um, I was really careful about that, and, um, so, yeah, everybody else around me who were, you know, my girlfriends were not 
they didn't have the reputation or whatever um, of being kind of trampity. Um, but they all had sex like yeah. two or three years <laughs> before I did. And I thought it was really a, kind of amazing when I found that out later because I wasn't really, I thought we all weren't really because mm-hmm. that babies and um, babies. I thought babies was enough of a reason that <laughs> there were other activities that could be engaged in that did not make babies. So I sort of figured maybe sexual intercourse was something that should wait until there was some chance that I could make a living um, if I had to support one yeah. or or be comfortable. I could make the decision by myself and not have to chat with my parents mm-hmm. about whether or not I wanted to have an abortion, which I was you know, comfortable with too, but I didn't want it. I didn't know what my answer would be. Yeah. That makes sense. So responsible. I know, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah. 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 I hope it is. That's what I'm really hoping my daughter gets that message too, I think. Mm-hmm. Also, reality is I had this great Swedish boyfriend uh, my um, senior year of high school who had actually had sex. I think this is really interesting. How many 17-year-old boys who have had sex say, want to have sex again until later um but he had made that decision that he he was also very afraid of having a little american baby so he was like tell you what we won't have sex we'll just do other things and we won't have intercourse and we'll do other things Mm -hmm. and i'll show you everything i know that i've developed and uh, (laughs) it was a whole lot more than any other 17 year old boy i knew so um he was great. He was really, he was great for my self-esteem. And actually, as a desired body, like, you know, as the first person probably to really see me naked, mm-hmm. naked, like, he he liked what he saw. And I was not particularly in love with what I was seeing at that point. So it was nice 17 to see myself hard. through. I know. Wouldn't you, like, kill for the 17-year-old body you hated? I don't even, yeah. yeah. I don't even remember what it was like. I don't even know. I don't know. But it's the same These were, like, actually attached to the clavicle at that point. Like, I think it was just, like, a clavicle <laughs> with a nipple attached because <laughs> it was sadly not no perky. longer the case. <laughs> they, were, they were not big. They yeah, came oh, way later. <laughs> they just meant in terms of perkiness. Like, yeah. No, no. Way no, they were, here. like, conical, and they were right under... It was the funniest. I remember, actually, speaking of the desired body, so I had a crush, of course, on my... Um, uh, art history teacher and we were in an art program and uh, we posed for each other we'd wear a bathing suit and we'd pose for each other and I was wearing a yellow bathing suit which was not see-through or anything but it was fairly close to the color of my skin and I remember he was leading a class down the hall as I was in this room with everybody standing around me drawing me and he went past the door and then he walked backwards <laughs> And he turned around and he goes, Miss Hernandez. (laughs) And then I was embarrassed, right? I was fine until that moment. And then I was embarrassed and sort of like literally covered myself with my hands, even though I was in this like one piece, like thick as, thick as metal bathing suit. Um, But it was, it was kind of a win mentally for me that he had to come back to check it out. You know, I was embarrassed, but I was, I was glad to be wanted. So... Well, actually, I I thought about this a lot before because it's really strange how um, I wrote a little thing about this once, which is probably articulated a lot better than what I am about to say. <laughs> but it's about it was about catcalling and desirability mm-hmm. and how strange it is. Like if anybody catcalls, mm-hmm. how it's mm-hmm. it's totally stupid and inappropriate and like immature. We all know that, right? But there's that little part of you that's like, yeah, I know. You're just yeah, enjoying it. Wait till they stop, it. you know? Yeah. <laughs> when they stop, you're sort of like, I said. <laughs> it's it's such right? a weird. But it also says a lot about the way that women um, feel about desirability and how that's something that's important yeah. to us. It's culturally ingrained in us also mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. we must be desirable to men or, or everybody, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. Um and that little piece of you that even if it's like a gross man in a beat up old truck yeah. who's or the guy in New Haven who yelled at me big leg woman let me touch your thigh <laughs> that's my best my best cat call ever <laughs> big leg woman let me touch your thigh the, I just I actually I got, got a I was like you got some nice legs <laughs> 
I got that what? sort of recently yeah. in the past few months. Excellent. It makes me like laugh. So I like. So what's stupid about it too is like I smile because it's funny to me. Like I just yeah. like yes, yeah. nice legs. It's a funny thing to yell at someone. Yeah. <laughs> and so I laugh, but I'm like, but it's gonna look like I enjoy it you know, to him, and so it's like a weird, it's like a weird psychological thing that I process whenever yeah. things like this yeah. happen, and I'm kind of like, I still got it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm kind yeah, of like, yeah. still got it. Also, I shouldn't feel that That's <laughs> validated not a That's by not a disgusting win. strangers. Is, yeah. It's so yeah. fucked up. In, and, but... But is, I don't know, if, could that be separated? I don't know if you can, what I don't know, and what I'm interested mm-hmm. to explore, and something that I want to explore in my work, mm-hmm. is can that desire, that cycle of desire, like if that's an actual desire that they're expressing to you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is it, first of all, an actual desire that they're expressing to you, or are they just putting you in your place by reminding you, I'm a guy, I have a cock, mm-hmm. and I get to make the compliments at you mm-hmm. who does not have a cock, mm-hmm. right? Like, excuse me, I don't know if I can use language like that, but... Oh, uh, no, yeah. yeah that's oh, good. Fine. Excellent. <laughs> um, so, you know, but that that kind of... Is that what they're doing? Or are they actually expressing an actual desire to you? Or I find that attractive and that's really fabulous. Or just I like want you to know. looking at you as an aesthetic object. Yeah, seeing it... I'm okay with the aesthetic object. <laughs> like, sure, objecti- objectify away hire me however when I need a job right (laughs) you can continue to objectify me while you pay me the same as the guy sitting next to me right right like I don't care the objectification is not I know that there are a lot of feminists and I consider myself a hardcore feminist like who would really say that that process of objectification is what separates us from those things and I don't I don't know for sure whether it does or not well because I feel like well, we've also learned to use that as a form of empowerment, and yeah. that's what I've seen from that. Yeah. Um, there was a Mad Men episode I wrote about where that's totally illustrated, like the, huh. the way that um, the way that womanhood is objectified in various ways, uh, and how the women are using it to their advantage or trying mm-hmm. to use it to their mm-hmm. advantage. Um, so you can like take that thing, yeah, and that thing that's we have kind the of girl negatively, energy, yeah, and. Uh, hey, I'm going to use this, you know, just, like, there was an actress who was yeah. trying to get a part, and she's just obviously, these men are ogling her the way the scene's yeah. set up, but she's using that to try to, like, yeah. further her career, yeah. and um, yeah. another one actually yeah. has sex for a client, and yeah. she, um, but she's made partner because of it, so right. she's, right. so it's kind of a, sh- right. it's a prostitution she gets her, thing, yeah. but she does get, she has yeah. a baby that she needs to support, and she wants, you yeah. know, she, yeah. She's clearly doing it knowing that this is, like, yeah. what's going to come of it. Yeah. Um, so there is that part of it, too. That's the way that you can make that a sort of empowering thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, you got if it's the only form of power you <laughs> but, have, yeah, then what else yeah. are you going to so use? What's, what's wrong with you using it? Because um, it is the well, only I've power we've you. had for a long time. And yeah. so we've learned how to yeah. use it. And so it's something to us that is important and that we have learned more about (laughs) and now it's getting weirder yeah because we're not supposed to like like it you know well there's um the last piece that i did whatever lola the big Mm -hmm. last big piece that i did um was about latin sirens from the movies Mm -hmm. right and one of the reasons that i did the project was because i was looking at the list of the most powerful latinas in the world right and it looks different than the list of most powerful men in the world, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, Latino men? Well, or I guess I could be looking at the most powerful Latino men, and maybe mm-hmm. that would start to... Maybe that... It would be interesting. I didn't compare it to that. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure there is that list. I've never <laughs> seen that list. But the most important Latinos, Latinas, um, you know, you get President of Brazil, President of Venezuela? No, sorry, not Venezuela. Um, Argentina? If I remember right, I think so. Um, yeah. Definitely, President Brazil. Um, uh, there's a woman who runs an oil company that she inherited, um, and then you have Jennifer Lopez, Sofia Vergara, um, J Lo. Uh, the list, the rest of the list is how many boobs, like how much tits and ass can we pile mm-hmm. onto this list? And it's mm-hmm. really Shakira, mm-hmm. um, who are all very sexualized. 
women and they've really banked on that and have obviously made excellent business choices because they're busy going into these meetings and you know making really wonderful showing amazing business acumen and leadership mm-hmm. um which no one expects because they're hotties mm-hmm. so they kind of have this secret weapon and so I'm really interested in that as a specifically and if you look at the most powerful women in the world it takes a while before you get down to that. Not that, you know, Oprah, right? Not the same as Sofia Vergara, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you you definitely have some... Although I would think that probably the, the list of African-American women might actually start to do more of that too. Yeah. Right? I think also, especially if it is, um, if you're looking at, um, minorities or just non-white as a group because of the way that we other, especially females that are um, that are non-white and the way that they're usually this exotic, othered, sexualized object more mm-hmm. than, I mm-hmm. would say, um, white women. Yeah. Probably probably the list of yeah. like successful, influential white women probably has a lot more... Within the culture. A yeah. lot more like businessy yeah <laughs> not related to yeah their parents as much whereas Hillary Clinton you know but then Hillary Clinton was like you know her failure was that she wasn't attractive as a little lady yeah. you know right that was mm-hmm. so many years like that's all we heard was she just she was that woman cuz mm-hmm. she didn't she didn't I'm convinced that yeah. for any woman to do well in politics, you have to be past the age of where, even though you can't really sexualize, or our culture, I don't think, really sexualizes Hillary Clinton, she's still somebody that they're looking at in terms of, is she attractive? Yeah. Whereas somebody like Ann Richards, who's kind of right. past the point of, she was so grandmotherly at that point that nobody, you can't yeah. really do that to her. She's a hottie hot, though. Yeah, that I was, know. Did you ever meet, you didn't meet her, because I didn't, I didn't meet her, but I, I, I watched a documentary her. about her. <laughs> she was amazing. She was amazing. She was crazy pants. Yeah, but yeah. by the time she ran for governor yeah. is what I mean. Like, of yeah. course, right. I think the lower ranks, by the time she ran for governor, though, she, I think that She's was a little older. She, yeah. She, I don't know, that's my theory. <laughs> well, yeah, no, the farther you are away from being which it'll be interesting to see what happens with Wendy Davis. That's why, that's actually why I think that she's, I I don't have, like, I want to have, like, I have a little bit of hope, but I'm also a little cynical about it. And it is largely to do with the way that she's, yeah, the way that she's being um, perceived by, you know, it's hard to get a Barbie. They've already referred to her as a Barbie in a negative context. Yeah. The Dem Barbie and that she's like, you know, pink sneakers. Yeah. (laughs) She has pink sneakers and, um, blonde hair. Yeah. So it's very hard to be. Yeah. I don't know. But we like, I mean, America likes pretty. That's, you know, it's it's such a, it's it's such a two-sided thing. I know. We can't be, that's the thing. It's like, it's so hard for us to be complicated, Mm -hmm. complex Mm -hmm. (laughs) humans without it being like contradictory to what people Mm -hmm. want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Um, well, we can end it, but I would like to end because I also liked really talking about the picking and peeling stuff, and I want to know. <laughs> you, um, you talked about how satisfying it was to peel and pick stuff, and you mentioned yeah. maybe doing an, like a piece about a piece it. with the with the picking and the peeling. <laughs> yeah, I told you that I, I have this fantasy about making wallpaper that would have tiny little reservoirs mm-hmm. of fluid and mm-hmm. perhaps little tiny pearls. I don't know why I really want that to be in there, too. Uh, and it would be, like... Anything that could It would be, be silicone. <laughs> yeah, like silicone wallpaper that would be just, just kind of thick and have this extra layer on top that would bubble out. And, and you, whenever you were frustrated, you could just pop it on your wall. And it wouldn't be on your face. You wouldn't have the scarring. You wouldn't have the whatever, but you could get that release of like <laughs> squeeze, squish. That'd be so satisfying. That'd be, be so wonderful. I just really want to do that. I just want to just go to a, go into a space and like dirty it up by peeling stuff off the walls and just like... It's so fun. It's so fun. <laughs> peeling just it. calling people it. with sunburns and asking. <laughs> yeah, <'cause just> like, <laughs> 
That'd be a great piece. You just put the call out on on summertime Craigslist and be like, "Let me peel your sunburn, please, please. I am begging you. You know, somebody right now has that up. You know that it exists. Like that is the great thing about kinks and fetishes. Like I love kinks and fetishes. I'm gonna Google that actually when I get home. I I will bet you money. I'll bet you big money. Yeah, that's the best thing about kinks and fetishes. Like. You know, lost an arm. There's somebody out there who's dreaming of somebody who's lost an arm. You know, like, you know, it's not something they're going to have to get over. It's something that they're, like, excited about, you know. Like, I think, and maybe you don't want to be there. Like, you know, my husband likes brown girls with dark hair and dark eyes. He's had two girlfriends, you know, and me, and that they they all look the same. <laughs> and, you know, that's his fetish. His dark hair and dark... What, so that's totally acceptable, right? But if you're somebody who's like, I'm really hoping somebody has a huge, like, wine, port wine stain, you know, birthmark. <sighs> Where is that person for me? You know, like, <laughs> like, is that any different than... Yeah, it kind of sounds like some kind of whimsical movie where <laughs> somebody yeah. has dreamed of it yeah. and then she turns around in the shop. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I think we all we all have stuff that we want. And it's just great. I think it's really good. I I don't know. I could talk to you about the desirable body all day long. The desirable <laughs> body and the useful body and the um you know, the judged body. Yeah. I think that's really interesting and I think the um the hungry body. We didn't talk about the hungry. How could we have done a whole interview and not talk about food? <laughs> and I've just been like looking at this popcorn. Like, yes. Kind of want to eat it, but it's gonna be I know. super crunchy. Our funky, spicy, for, sweet popcorn. The- Here, I'll do one for the. It's really amazing. It's pineapple jalapeno popcorn, which is like crazy pants. Wow. I like that. I think it's good. Well. Thank you so much. I'm really yeah. very happy to do it with you. Yeah. Thank you for doing oh. it, Jen. Thanks. No problem. <laughs>